If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Seven 
Bring on the night with Night Dreams Talk Radio with Gary Anderson. The views, opinions, and representations expressed on the Night Dreams Talk Radio Network and its website are those of the hosts, guests, and participants, and are not necessarily those of or endorsed by the network, its affiliated stations and broadcasts, the management, other hosts, or advertisers of the network. The shows found on the Night Dreams Talk Radio Network can, but do not necessarily, promote any particular lifestyle, belief, religion, political affiliation, or other personal practice. These shows are for entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to treat, diagnose, and or claim any cure of disease or condition, or give any medical or legal advice. Coming to you from some far point station, like a cosmic tumbleweed, both north and south of the Pleiades, here's your host, Gary Anderson. And that is me, coming from the compound, brought to you by Night Dreams Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, Gary Anderson. Well, the U.S. just had the hottest summer recorded. It even well, beats the Dust Bowl going back 85 years ago. What's that mean? It means, well, the temperatures of the Earth are rising. My feeling, and I could be totally wrong, that, well, I think we're going to go to the opposite, a flip, from going from the hottest summer to the coldest winter in many, many years. I don't know, James, how you feel, but that's how I feel. Oh, I think you're on to something, and especially if those currents get slowed down or stopped that go up, you know, by the Gulf up to uh, the U.K. That is really scary when you think about that, because according to NASA, going here back uh, three, four weeks ago, uh, they published uh, a sci- in the Science Journal that the Gulf water coming from the equator is kind of breaking up, slowing down, and narrowing. If that stalls... It's going to be like that movie, and you know what movie I'm talking about. The Day After Tomorrow by Whitley and uh, Art. Yeah, Art Bell and my friend, and Whitley uh, wrote that book. And, you know, like I told Whitley when he was on the show here back about six months ago, I said, you and Art nailed it. You were just off by about 20-some-odd years. But it's all happening. You know, Al Gore, people made fun of Al Gore. You know, they said, oh, you don't know what you're talking about, but it's all starting to all, you know, fit in place. Now, you know, again, you know, you're talking in about five, six years from now, cars will not be gas cars in this country. They'll be electric cars. They should have done that years ago. I mean, the, the pollution, it's not just that. I mean, you can blame it on the cows. You can blame it on our Antarctica. You know, the earth is going through changes. And, you know, we need to prepare for it because it could happen any time. I don't think it's going to be instantaneous. I think what is going to happen is going to happen over a couple seasons. And then it's going to flip. I don't know. Also, China in the news. Well, they said they may have found a way to travel across the world, completely around the world in one hour. They have finally figured out on hypersonic planes how they can actually land one. That has been the issue. And they said that they have found the answer on that. That is kind of scary right there. And if you go into a little bit more, as science have discovered a 26-foot-long dinosaur with shark-like teeth. 
Now, this goes before the T-Rex. But I tell you what, it tells you what was walking on this earth. And I tell you what, I don't want to go in a time machine and find out what other species were out there. Could you imagine? You know, I think maybe, and this is only my opinion, and a lot of scientists feel this way, this planet has been rebooted. And I think we're very close to another reboot. What's that mean? It means pretty much extinction of everything that's crawling, walking, and moving on this planet. And yes, maybe we could have slowed it down years ago, but it was going to happen, and it's going to happen, and we can't stop it. But again, you know, you got that going. You got asteroids that could hit into the Earth. You got, you know, a solar flare that could take out the grid system, and that would put us back into, like, the 1800s really fast. How many people would die? If we lost our grid system, you know what? Most people don't. If you go out there and you, you put them out in the woods and say, okay, survive. They wouldn't know how to do it. Or you put them on a deserted island with nothing. Take their clothes, take everything from them, put them on there. They wouldn't even figure out how to survive. They wouldn't figure out how to start a fire. They wouldn't have the slightest idea how to start a fire. And what type of food, you know, what it would take to survive and what to do. It'd be a really scary situation. What do you think about that one, buddy? Uh, that is scary. And you know what else? Very important, how to collect water. That is so important when it gets down to the bug out situation. Oh, yeah. Well, again, it depends on what type of bugging out there is. You know, I don't know. Anyway, uh, you had a couple uh, people you wanted to mention about on the show here tonight? I do. We have some night dreamers on chat tonight that uh, we would like to acknowledge. Miss Barb Hewitt, Nancy McCall Malcolm, and Travis McClung. Uh, night dreamers in chat tonight. Uh, thank you so much, loyal uh, listeners. And we'll be right back after this break with a great guest. We're going to talk about string theory, black holes. Multi-universes, parallel universes. So stay tuned. We will be right back. shaking stood steady as they tumbled down kept your head through the falling and breaking when others stumbled you stood your ground you knew that open could leave you wide open to the dangerous changes in stranger days to Darkness grows in the mist and shadows Puppets pose and deeds betray There are myths that persist And we all know words can keep the truth at bay Bring on the night with Night Dreams Talk Radio with Gary Anderson you can advertise your business on Night Dreams Talk Radio, and you will be heard worldwide. Why not contact us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com? 
Do you have a paranormal story you want to share on Night Dreams Talk Radio? You could be a guest. Email us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. You are listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio Network. From our compound to you worldwide. With your host, Gary Anderson. And that is me. Well, James, who's our guest tonight? Oh, our listeners are in for a real treat tonight. Our guest is tonight is Mark Alpert. Now, he is an authority on astrophysics, a former editor at Scientific American, and he is a best-selling author. He is also a self-proclaimed all-round science nerd. Interesting. We're all ready to go for a ride tonight. How about you, Mark? Oh, definitely. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, thank you for coming on. Well, can you tell the listeners... Well, a little bit more about yourself. Well, sure. You know, I always loved science. I studied it in college, and I became a journalist and an editor at Scientific American, which was great because I got to edit, you know, the, some of the best physicists and astrophysicists in the world. And then just about 15 years ago, I started writing these science thrillers because I love talking about science and explaining it, and I love writing books about it, especially if they're exciting books that really capture people's imagination. Oh, wow. I mean, how old were you, Mark, when you got interested in, in science and black holes and, and multi-universes? Multi how old were you? I was really young. I was 11 or 12. I was a big science fiction reader, so I read uh, Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy, and I just was hooked, and that sort of determined the whole rest of my life. Well, how were your family growing up? I mean, you, well, can I, did you have one of those little things in your pocket with, you know, with pins in it and all that stuff? Were you a nerd? Oh, I was a, a total nerd. I went to a math science high school in New York City, Stuyvesant High School, and I spent all my time just reading up on math and science. And then I went to Princeton, and that's where I majored in astrophysics and started doing science, uh, you know, for real for the first time. And I was just captivated. You know, you mentioned black holes. I was so interested in the theory of general relativity. I, it was, of course, come up with Einstein. He came up with it in the year 1915. And it basically explains gravity, the movements of all the galaxies and stars in our universe. And I thought, oh, I want to understand this theory. And so uh, as my uh, senior thesis project, my advisor and I worked on a, um, what would general relativity like in a universe that had only two spatial dimensions instead of three dimensions. It's, it's often called flatland. And uh, we came up with a theory about how, how relativity would work in such a hypothetical universe. And the paper was eventually published, and it, it, was, it was exciting. I, I have to tell you, it was a really wonderful thing to do. Well, you know, you mentioned black holes. Here, here's what I was kind of surprised. Going back about 10, 11 months ago, there was an article in one of the science journals I read a lot. They said that scientists uh, watched something go into a a black hole and come out the other side. And, and you know, everybody says that's not possible. Well, black holes actually distort the space and time around them. They, they, their gravity is so tremendous that they warp the space around them. So you could actually see what's behind a black hole. You're not actually, you, you can observe uh, matter circling a black hole and then spiraling into the black hole. Um, and, but, and you can observe things behind the black hole uh, because, because of this warping of time and space. 
Now, to be, to be precise, things do come out of black holes. It's called Hawking radiation. But that is a very, very slow process, and we can't observe that with our telescopes because that happens on, a, on an incredibly glacial, very, very slow scale. But we do observe, we, we, you, cannot, you can't observe a black hole itself because it, its gravity is so strong that even light can't escape it. But you can observe the enormous swirling gas swirling into the black hole. And, of course, this gas, as it's going in there, releases tremendous jets of energy because of the friction and, 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 the, and the energy that's being you know, created by this, this amazing uh, immersion into the black hole. And so that's what we see, and that's, that scientists believe that's, uh, create some of the brightest objects in the universe, quasars and, and, and other things like that. Well, again, too, I was reading that they have discovered more black holes than even in our own galaxy. You know, I was always oh, yeah. worried about one. I mean, how many do you think there possibly could be? I mean, you know, you just can't look, you know, and see them. Well, well we know that there's a tremendous uh, supermassive black hole at the center of our Milky Way galaxy. We, we can tell because we see things revolving around it. We can see the radio emissions from it. And this has a, a mass that is equivalent to millions of the millions of times the mass of our own sun. So that's how huge the supermassive hole is at the center of our galaxy. And scientists believe that pretty much every galaxy has a supermassive black hole at its center. Now, then, then there's also much smaller black holes uh, that are scattered throughout the galaxy. You see, any, any star that is more than a certain number of times the mass of our star um, will, will naturally become a black hole at the end of its life. Our star, it won't happen to. Our star is not quite massive enough. It will just um, turn into a white dwarf when it runs out of its hydrogen fuel. But stars that are much larger than ours go through this powerful explosion called a supernova and spewing out huge amounts of material to seed our galaxy um, with new uh, uh, materials, uh, but also the, the stuff at the very center of that supermassive star will collapse and form a black hole. And so we know that there's plenty of those scattered around the galaxy. I don't know the exact number, but, but, a, but a, a fair number, you know, we know that there are something like 400 billion stars in our galaxy. And so if even just a couple of percent of those stars uh, become black holes at the end of their lives, we're talking about a lot of black holes. Yeah, that is kind of scary. Now, if I was in a spacecraft, and I was going to wherever, right? And I go into a black hole. You know, I'm a chunky guy. Now, what I read, I could all of a sudden, as I go into it and closer to it, I'm going to start getting longer. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to see my arms yes. get longer. My body, torso, is going to get longer. Is that a bad way to die? A terrible way. In, in fact, scientists have a technical name for this process. It's called spaghettification. Uh, <laughs> basically what happens uh, that um, it, it depends on the size of the black hole you're entering. If a black hole is uh, super massive, uh, you can cross its event horizon, you can cross the, uh, the point of no return basically, and not sense anything, not feel anything. But sooner or later, as you approach the singularity at the center of the black hole, yes, you will experience this process of, of spaghettification. And the reason why that happens is because the gravity is so enormous that it's pulling, let's say you're diving into the black hole feet first, it's pulling your feet 
a lot harder than is pulling your head, and so it's going to stretch your body like that. Now, in smaller black holes, you would actually um, experience this spaghettification even before you cross the event horizon. Well, in other words, I don't want to go on a spacecraft and take that chance. Yes, but I should say that even though uh, there are a lot of black holes in our galaxy, um, they're scattered over such a huge, huge volume that uh, you're un- there's unlikely to be one uh, very close to our solar system. So it's not the kind of thing that, that you would have to worry about statistically so much. Also, before you came even near the black hole, um, you would start to experience it. You would notice that something's going on with its gravity. And so you would have plenty of warning, so you would know uh, to steer around the thing. If you could. Now, the question I have also, the pre-bang, what is that? The pre-big bang. Well, this that's an ultimate question. You're talking about the big bang now? No, the one before the big bang. The one before the big bang. That is the ultimate question because... Because um, you're talking about, you know, what, what, if anything, existed before the Big Bang? Did our universe have a beginning, or was it eternal? This is a question that even the most brilliant scientists have not answered yet. They, they know that there was some, they know that the Big Bang, uh, the, the expansion of the universe is happening. Uh, they could extrapolate back to a point um, 13.8 billion years ago, when the universe was much, much denser and much hotter than it was now, than it is now, and much, much uh, smaller, obviously. And so, uh, in this universe, um, you, it was so hot. In this early universe, it was so hot that you didn't atoms, neutral atoms, could not exist. They were ionized uh, uh, into char- They were into charged particles back then, and they were photons scattering among them. That is often called the primordial soup. That's what existed for the first few hundred thousand years of the universe's history. Now, the question is, how, how did this pop out? How did, how, how did this amazing explosion begin? And scientists can't really answer that question knowing our physics. We can, we can say that we, we have theories, though, and one theory is called the theory of inflation. And this theory was developed in the early 1980s to explain why that early universe was so incredibly smooth. It did not have a lot of lumps. It was a very smooth, um, dense, smooth but dense uh, collection of matter and energy. And so the theory of inflation posits that before the Big Bang, there was something called the inflationary background. Now, scientists really are not sure what the inflationary background is, but it was the, the space, the proto-universe, where many, many universes could have bubbled out of. Our universe could have bubbled out of it, but maybe others did too. And in fact, universes could be bubbling out of that inflationary background for all time. And an infinite number of universes could eventually be produced by this inflationary process. It will, scientists believe that it might continue on into the future forever, and it might have been going on eternally in the past, or maybe not. The scientists really aren't sure. They, there are so many different theories of inflation that it often confuses. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. 
All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The scientists themselves, they are desperately looking for evidence to try to nail down which of these theories is correct. Very interesting. Now, the, the Big Bang. What, you know, like, what is the Big Bang? What, what all happened? I know you described we were going into the other, but, you know, is the Big Bang still continuing on as we talk? I have to tell you, the Big Bang is not only continuing, the expansion of the universe is now accelerating. About 20 years ago, scientists were trying to determine, they, they, they naively thought that the expansion of the universe would slow down over time, right? Because there's initial explosion, this massive expansion of all galaxies, you would think that their collective gravity would eventually slow down the expansion, would eventually pull them back together, and maybe even bring them back to what is known as a big crunch. And so scientists really carefully started measuring where are the galaxies and how fast are they receding. And they were comparing those two numbers. And what they found was that these galaxies were actually much farther out than anyone expected. And the only conclusion from this was that the expansion of the universe, which is the Big Bang, is actually speeding up over time, that it's moving faster now than it was a few billion years ago. This came as a complete surprise to physicists, and they still don't understand it. They've posited that there must be or there might be some kind of entity out there called dark energy, which has some kind of anti-gravity effect. It actually repels things instead of attracting. And, and so, but scientists are really at sea about this. They do not know what dark energy is. They cannot detect it directly. They have theories that maybe it is some uh, new kind of dynamical field that pervades the universe, or maybe it represents some kind of inherent property of the empty space, of the vacuum. But no one knows. And it's been 20 years now, and scientists have not made much progress in figuring out what is this dark energy that is, that is speeding up the expansion of the universe. Very interesting. You know, when I was back in junior high, I, I remember talking to the science teacher, and, you know, I said, you know, does planets and, and continue on forever? And he said, well, I don't know. You know, I said, well, is there a brick wall? He goes, well, I don't know. Maybe it comes back to itself. And I said, that doesn't make logical sense. Because if it, you know, it can't just come back to itself and it can't be a brick wall because space can't end because if you build a brick wall, right, that's taking space. What's on the other right. side of the brick wall? Can you clarify that a little bit more for me? Because that's been a question that's been in the back of my mind since seventh grade. Right. And it's one of the deepest questions. And it's one that scientists still don't know entirely the answer to it. I mean, obviously, if you're talking simply about the planet Earth, we know that our planet has 
a limited lifespan because the sun will eventually, our sun will eventually die. It, it will expand to the point where it will, it's, it, will, it will actually sterilize our planet and engulf it, and there will be no more Earth after about another four or five billion years, which is, which is a long enough time. But the bigger question is, what about, you know, other planets in, in our galaxy? Uh, you know, what is the ultimate fate of the universe? And people are not, scientists are still struggling with this question. They, uh, they, they seem to think that, you know, eventually, if, if the universe continues expanding at an accelerating rate, then eventually galaxies will get farther and farther from each other if they're not gravitationally bound, and we, we will see less and less of the universe as time goes on. Our own uh, small group of galaxies, the Milky Way and Andromeda, what is known as the local group, will be sort of a, become an island of light in an immense sea of darkness. And if, if it, as time goes on even longer, you will find that most of the stars will burn out and either become these cindery black dwarfs, you know, which are just cold, dead cinders, or the bigger stars will become black holes. And if you go even longer, thinking ahead, even farther ahead, maybe to like a Google years, 10 to the 100 years, that even black holes will eventually evaporate through that process of Hawking radiation that I mentioned before. And so the ultimate fate of the universe might simply be particles flying so far apart from each other that they will, you know, they're so dispersed across endless space that essentially the universe will become empty. And that is one possible fate of the universe. Now, I'm not saying we still don't know what dark energy is, so we don't know if that's going to happen. That is one possible fate of our universe. That is kind of scary. But, you know, I, I don't think we have to worry about it because, you know, like we mentioned before we went on the air, you know, I think this planet has been rebooted a couple times. I, I think we're so close to the, the tipping point now. I know we're a little bit off the, you know, the Big Bang Theory and String Theory, but I'm really getting concerned, you know, where I plant my feet each night and when I get up out of bed in the morning. I'm wondering if we're going to be existing here in another 100 years or 50 years. Well, you did. You, I know on your show you've talked about you know UFOs and other things, and, and uh, there's what they call. I'm sure your listeners are familiar with the Fermi paradox, which is which is basically the question: Where are the aliens? Why aren't we seeing more of them? The universe is 13.8 billion years old. That was plenty of time for intelligent civilizations to to create a galactic empire. Where are they? And one possible explanation for this is that it's very possible that once an intelligent species achieves uh, you know, abilities like, like ours has, like, you know, abilities of ra radio, but also nuclear weapons, it's possible that, it, that many of these species die out you know, within a few thousand years. And so each of these intelligent species uh, uh, that, that might be popping up in our galaxy, maybe each one lasts for only a few thousand years, in which case the odds are really low that we would, that we would be able to see one because they've already gone. That is a possibility, too. I mean, you think about that. It, it's scary, but, you know, I'm not going to get into, like, the Egyptians and the pyramids. I just don't think we humans have that technology to uh, create what has been created. But, again, I think maybe this planet has been rebooted, and, and that's the scary part. Uh, we need to, Mark, we need to take a break. We'll be back in about two minutes. So, well, we're going to find out what, well parallel universes are and other stuff you're listening to me gary on night dreams talk radio
Then you know me too well, know me too well. <laughs> know me too well. But then again, I might be revealing all I can tell, all I can tell. Honey, all I can tell. Well, I've loved, stolen, cheated, I lied and I lost. So what the hell, baby? With Night Dreams Talk Radio with Gary Anderson. You want to answer that, don't you? I bet it's just killing you seeing the soft glow just inches away. Someone wants to tell you something or ask you something. Oh, come on, answer it already! Just so we're clear, that wasn't my fault. Next time, ignore your inner voice. Don't text and drive. A message from Florida's trusted choice, independent insurance agents. From the compound in beautiful Gig Harbor, Washington, Night Dreams Talk Radio presents your host, Gary Anderson. And we are back. I just had to get some more Lipton tea. I'll tell you, Lipton tea, I've been hooked on it since I was a child. And you know what? I did something I shouldn't have done. My wife got mad at me last night. I got some Lipton tea after the show, got some graham crackers out, spread the peanut butter, and dipped it into my Lipton tea. You know, I like Lipton tea a lot more than I do drinking coffee. Anyway, Mark, you know, uh, we had Michio Kaku on the show. And, uh, you know, he said that we are so close to cracking the fifth dimension. And if that happens, portals could exist. Parallel universes could exist. What is your gut feeling? Well, dimensions, extra dimensions is what you're talking about here. And uh, they still remain hypothetical. Um, they, they, Michio Kaku is, is a wonderful string theorist, and, and one of the tenets of string theory, you know, st- string theory, I should explain, is um, this, an attempt at a theory of everything, a theory that will explain all the forces and particles of nature. And um, 
right now we have the theory of relativity, which I talked about before, which describes how gravity works. And we also have quantum theory, which describes how particles, subatomic particles work. But we don't have one theory that encompasses both of them. And, and, and we really do need that sort of theory to explain things like the Big Bang and what came before it. And so for the past 40 years, um, string theorists like Michio Kaku have been... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Working hard on uh, string theory is an attempt to try to combine those two theories. And the, the basic uh, tenet of it is that all particles are actually minuscule strings. Tiny, tiny strings, like we're talking about 10 to the minus 35 meters, Planck length, much smaller than even an atom. Strings that small vibrating at different frequencies, and a string vibrating at one type of frequency would be an electron, a string vibrating at another type of frequency would be a neutrino, and so on and so forth. And string theory, it seemed to be a wonderful theoretical tool to explain everything. However, it only works if there are extra dimensions, if there are six or seven more spatial dimensions than we observe. And string theorists explain that the reason perhaps why we don't observe those extra dimensions is because they could be folded up into these micro-microscopic manifolds that are, again, also on the Planck length, you know, so too small to be detected. And that's the reason. It's kind of like a carpet. Imagine a carpet. Um, it looks two-dimensional, right, to a person who's, not, who's looking at it from a distance. But if you get really close down in that carpet, you'll see the tiny, tiny worlds of fabric, and you realize, oh, no, there are extra dimensions in there. That's, how, uh, that's, that's what they're talking about, the extra dimensions of string theory. Um, and I think it's a wonderful theory. However, as of yet, there's no experimental evidence for it. Scientists were really hoping to find at least a little bit of support for this theory with this new particle accelerator in Europe. It started, it started uh, working about 10 years ago. It's called the Large Hadron Collider, and it's a huge particle accelerator. It's 27 kilometers in circumference. It's so big, it straddles the border of France and Switzerland. And uh, they're running these protons at enormous speeds, 99.99999% of the speed of light, and smashing these proton beams into each other, and then looking through the debris to see if they can find any new types of particles, because discovering new types of particles means discovering new types of physics. And so far, though, they have not found what are known as the supersymmetric particles, which would be a sign that string theory might be correct. So, so far they haven't found it. Now, the LHC, the Large Hadron Collider, is still running. It's possible that maybe the, these particles will turn up, but some scientists are beginning to lose faith in string theory. And, and if you lose faith in string theory, well, then there's no need for those extra dimensions. I'm not going to say it's, it's whether it's, it's going to turn out to be right or wrong. I'm just saying that there's no, there's not, scientists are starting to think that this theory is losing a little bit of its luster. Well, what's your feeling about parallel universes? Well, parallel universes, you know, we, parallel universes we know, there's different types of parallel universes, and we know that some probably, most likely, do exist. Now, now, the universe does appear to be infinite in extent, 
The reason why I say that is because when we measure the, uh, the geometry of the universe, when we measure how flat uh, this, our three-dimensional space seems to be, it seems to be utterly flat. That's what the observations of, of something called the cosmic microwave background radiation. This is this amazing b- burst of radiation that occurred 380,000 years after the Big Bang. It's when uh, we talked about that primordial soup of particles and light. Basically, at that point, 380,000 years after the Big Bang, the universe cooled enough for neutral atoms to form. And so the electrons matched up with the protons and formed neutral hydrogen atoms. And now suddenly those photons, those particles of light, could travel in straight lines. They weren't scattered and bounced around. And there was that burst of light that we still see today, uh, and it's called the cosmic microwave background radiation. And we, we get a lot of our information about the, about the shape of the universe, the size of the universe, from studying this, this radiation. And what the radiation seems to be saying is that the universe seems to be flat. And that seems to indicate that we may, the universe is possibly infinite. It might extend to an infinite extent. Well, if that is true, then if you go far enough away, it, 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 is, becomes, a pro, it becomes a probability of certainty that you will find certain combinations that are exactly the same as the combinations we have here on Earth. So if you go, we're talking unimaginable distances here. We're talking distances far beyond what we can see, far beyond what's known as the observable universe, which only extends maybe, you know, 40 billion years across, 40 billion light years across. We're talking way beyond that. Eventually, though, it just stands to reason that you will find a, a parallel Earth, something that mimics Earth exactly if you go far enough. So that's one type of parallel universe that we know exists. And there are many others, though, that could possibly exist. And I can go into those, too, if you're interested. Well, I am. But you, you mentioned one that it would mimic our Earth right now. Is there another you and me and the guy down the street, you know, the, the milkman that delivers milk to our house? Is there going to be those same I mean, people? Theoretically, yeah. If you go far enough, if the universe is truly, truly infinite, then, you know, eventually you will find a copy of yourself and everything on Earth. It, it's almost like, you know, uh, when you roll like three sixes, say, with dice, and then you wait long enough, you will roll three sixes again, right? If you just, you, it'll take a while. It won't happen. You'll probably have to roll the dice, you know, a thousand times, but eventually you'll roll another three sixes. Well, the same thing is going on with the universe. If you go far enough out, I mean really far, you will find the same combination uh, so it would be like a parallel Earth, yes. Well, if I died on this planet, am I going to die on that other planet? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, you know, it's hard to say because, because um, it, it's, there's also quantum mechanics says that there's nothing that's determined, that, that there's a certain amount of random uh, chance in the universe. And so it's unlike, even if you did find an, an Earth that exactly looks exactly like ours, an unimaginable distance away, it would probably have a different future from our Earth just because of these random differences of quantum mechanics. Interesting. Now, you said you could go farther. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you up on that. Yes. Now, there's different ty- other types of parallel universes that are more speculative include, remember we were talking earlier about the inflationary background and how universes might be bubbling out of it, kind of like the bubbles that come out of champagne. Um, each of those might be a separate universe, just as real as our own universe. Each of those universes might have slightly different physical constants. Maybe some of them could support life and some of them can't. 
And unfortunately, because the inflationary background is expanding so fast, we can't see any of those other bubbles. We can't see any of those bubble universes. It is possible that when two bubbles form, if two bubbles formed close to each other, they could have collided very early in that inflationary history. And so you might see some evidence of that collision in that cosmic microwave background that we talked about earlier. But that has not been seen as of yet. We have to study it more. That's why I'm a big fan of doing more and more research, you know, sending, sending up more telescopes. Like, for instance, you know, the James Webb telescope is scheduled to finally go up into space uh, by the end of this year. I think that that's what scientists really should focus on. Let's gather more evidence from the sky in order to see are parallel universes, can we find some evidence of parallel universes out there? That would be an amazing discovery if we could find one of those inflationary bubbles, one of those kind of parallel universes. If we could find evidence for that, that would be a Nobel Prize for sure. Now, a question I have, you know, a lot of people, because we talk, you know, about UFOs a lot and ETs, and a lot of guests I've had on, you know, have come up with the theory is maybe they're traveling in time, but maybe they're not. Could they be coming from a parallel universe? Well, again, we have to define which parallel type of parallel universe you're talking about. If we're talking about the first kind that we know probably exists in an infinite universe, there's no way we'll see them because they're just too far away. Um, With the bubble-type universes, uh, again, uh, when two bubbles have been uh, are far enough away from each other, in other words, after they've formed, they're you know completely unlikely to ever see each other. So I, coming from those kind of parallel universes, I really doubt there could be any kind of contact between them. Um, but you know, we talk about traveling in time. You know, travel through time into the future is we know definitely possible. We know from Einstein's theory that if you start accelerating your spacecraft to close the speed of light, then you will experience time very differently from the people that you left behind on Earth. You will age much slower than they do, and you can come back from your interstellar travels, and, and you, you know, everyone you know on Earth may have died by then because time is tr- has passed more slowly for you, and, and we know that's true. So time travel to the future is definitely possible. Is time travel to the past possible? That is much less likely. There's a lot of scientists who believe that, you know, nature is set up in such a way that to prevent that from ever happening. Um, but it, it's not, no one is ever sure. Some people believe that there could be these things called closed time-like curves, where under certain special circumstances, you could actually, uh, you could go out into space and then arrive back at the place where you were at the time when you left. But that is much more speculative. You know, I was just last night talking about on TikTok, there was another guy who claimed he's a time traveler. And, you know, a lot of people through the years have, you know, claimed they were time tra- uh, travelers. And he has gone from the future, I think 25 something to now, uh, you know, talking all this doom. But, you know, it's a lot of people out there want their 30 seconds of fame. But uh, it really shakes up a lot of people in in different communities when somebody says, hey, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and then naturally you don't hear anything more from this time travelers. Yeah, I'm always skeptical of those things. You know, Carl Sagan once said that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And so I would, ha- I would require extraordinary evidence if, uh, from anyone who's claiming to be uh, coming from the future and time traveling back into the past, into our day. Yeah, I mentioned, you know, you mentioned Carl Sagan. You know, he was one that really didn't believe there was life out there. And towards the end of his life, he really did a about face. 
and really believed, yes, there could be definitely life out there. Not just uh, people are so naive, Mark. You know, I, I, I talk to so many people and a lot of them think that we are the only living force in the whole universe. And I just don't buy that. Yeah, I don't buy it either. I mean, there's something called the Drake equation, which is used to sort of calculate the probability of how many, you know, intelligent, you know, how many, how many worlds in our galaxy have intelligent species. And, and, of course, there are certain things that are hard to estimate. You know, what is, what is the probability that life can uh, arise on a, on a world? What, what is the Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Probability that uh, intelligent life will evolve from that. It's really hard to, uh, to, to estimate those probabilities. But it seems pretty clear that, that our, we can't be the first species, uh, uh, intelligent species that has evolved in our galaxy. That, now, now I, as I said before, it's possible that other intelligent species have arisen and then they went through their lives and, and they self, they, they went extinct because, you know, it, it's, as, as we're finding out with, you mentioned earlier in the show uh, about global warming and the possibility of nuclear war, all of these things may put a time limit on the lifetime of an intelligent uh, species. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's face it, humans are warriors they've always been warriors and that instinct is still in them and you know you if you look at you know the cold war you look at what happened back you know in the 50s and the 60s and 70s and 80s before the wall came tumbling down and now we're i think we're in that situation way worse because you know you have other countries you know wanting to be where we're at and they think of human life different than I and you think about it. And, you know, when you have these nuclear weapons, you know, you figure if I have so many uh, weapons and you have so many, we're not going to kill each other because we know we could destroy each other. But then you have people like Mussolini, Hitler, Stalin, and all that, that if, if, if the wrong person became in power... You can, you know, somebody someday is going to hit that button. You know that. Yeah. And then there's also, um, you know, uh, what's happening now with global warming. I, mean, I, You know, I think people in the past thought, well, you have the rich countries and, and people there are, are living, you know, very comfortable lives. And eventually the poor countries will, uh, you know, achieve the same level of, of development over time. But what we're realizing now is the Earth cannot take that. The Earth cannot have... 8 billion people all 
at an, at an American standard of living. The Earth simply couldn't support it. Our, we're using energy. We Americans use energy at such such a, a, a profligate rate that if the whole planet used energy at the same rate, we, we would we would raise global temperatures, you know, beyond inhabitability. The planet would just not be sustainable. That is, that is one problem that, that our species faces, and it's perhaps a problem that other species in our galaxies have faced as well. Oh, yeah. And again, now, like, going to the, uh, the sun, you know, of solar flares. You know, last Thursday, we got hit with some. It could have been a lot worse, because it could have took out our grid system. But the sun has really been doing some strange things, if I'm not wrong. You know, it, it basically opens up, you know, and then all these, you know, protons and all this stuff comes shooting out. But isn't the sun kind of going kind of strange at this point? Well, the sun has a natural variation. It's, it's called the solar cycle, and it's an 11-year cycle. And so there's a maximum of activity and a minimum of activity. And what's going on is, you know, the, the sun has this uh, tremendous magnetic fields on its surface, and it's those magnetic fields that occasionally will ha- cause a flare uh, or maybe a coronal mass eruption to come. And so it'll shoot uh, protons out in space at tremendous speed. And at, on Earth, we just got to hope that, uh, that they don't hit us. And you're right, you know, if, if one, if, if, if we got particularly unlucky, then it, those, one of those eruptions uh, could knock out uh, electricity systems, um, especially in the more northerly latitudes, because that's where you'll find, uh, you know, more, because of the, Earth, the Earth's geoma- geomagnetism basically protects our planet from a lot of these, um, these charged particles. The charged particles get trapped in the magnetic fields surrounding the Earth. But occasionally the flare could be so enormously strong that it'll punch through it and it'll affect our electrical grid. Um, yeah, I think this, this is a problem. I don't see it, though, as a civilization-ending problem because we're pretty good in general about... Um, you know, fixing our grids. Now, I'm sure the people in New Orleans would disagree with me. How, how long did it take them to fix the grids down there uh, after uh, Hurricane Ida came through? It took, what, two weeks? I mean, it's, it's unconscionable. I don't know. But, but, but in general, I don't see that as, a, as an extinction event for the human species. I see that as something we just have to adapt to. I see it as a weeding out because, you know, again, our transformers, and I mentioned this on the show quite a few times through the years, we don't make the transformers for our power in th- this country. They're done in third world countries like India, where because the, the chemicals used in those transformers are very toxic. So we don't make them here anymore. And, and the thing is, when I talked to my local power company about this, I said, if you guys lost so many transformers, how long would it take to replace them? They said a couple years. They have a wow, limited. Uh, they have a limited amount of transformers. They that they have, and you know, if we got hit with a big enough solar flare, it's going to be like a Christmas tree lights, you know, bomb, 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 and and then the main sub and uh, power plants, they're they're going to go, and we could be. I read an article from the CIA. They said it could take up to two years if we got hit with a major flare. To get our power back up in this country, two years. Well, well, we we know that the power system needs additional resilience. I mean, we see it, you know, just from the the storms that have knocked out, like in Texas, right? The the the, the grid got knocked out there just because the winter storms, and they weren't used to cold temperatures. And so, um, I do think you're right. We need to build more resilience into our electric grid. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the, I'm not going to get political here, but that's what the Congress and the Senate need to look at. I mean, if, if they want an economy, if they want people, you know, living, we need to take care of our grid system. Because, you know, one of these days we're going to get hit. How about asteroids? How do, do we really have to worry about getting slammed by an asteroid? Oh, long term, we really do. I mean, we know that these things uh, do hit the Earth on a periodic basis. Now, it, they're, they're, that, when I say periodic basis, I mean millions and millions of years. I mean, we do know that there's strong evidence that the dinosaurs, of course, went extinct by uh, an asteroid colliding into our planet 64 million years ago. Um, and, but, you know, NASA has done really a pretty remarkable job in the last 30 years trying to track down what they call the near-Earth asteroids, the asteroids that have a chance of hitting us because their orbits sort of align with Earth. And so, and so far, they've identified um, a, a fairly large percent, percentage of the asteroids that are large enough to cause an extinction event here on Earth. Now, I'm not saying that they might have missed a few, and that would be a bad thing, but, but they're doing a pretty good... I have to give NASA some credit. They've done a pretty good job of tracking these things. Now, the next step, though, is once you do find an asteroid that might be on a collision course you know, with Earth, what do you do about it? You know, we have to learn more about how our asteroids structured because, you know, if we just, you know, say, uh, sent a nuclear bomb to smash into one of these things, you know, maybe that would cause more harm than good. Maybe it would, instead of, you know, one big thing, we would have, you know, uh, five pieces of it now spiraling down, you know, toward Earth. And, and so uh, it's something that there is an active, active uh, uh, concern, a priority of NASA to learn more about what, how asteroids are built, how they are structured, and what is the best ways to deflect them if we do see one heading toward Earth. Well, I just was reading an article today that NASA plans to take a spacecraft and hit it into an asteroid to see what the effects would be. Yes, it's, it's an amazing experiment, don't you think? Yeah, but could that, that experiment go wrong? Maybe not well, now, they, but they down pick, the future. They, they specifically pick an asteroid that is not anywhere near Earth's orbit. Yeah, they don't want to, you know, take any chances, right? So they, they pick an asteroid that has no chance whatsoever of hitting Earth, and they experiment on that one so they'll know what happens if, they, if, if, if in reality some, someday they see an asteroid coming. They'll know better what is the best method to deflect it. I hope so. And, and again, now I'm going to talk about the moon for a second. What happens, you know, the moon is slowly creeping out. What would happen to our planet if there was no moon? Oh, it'd be a disaster, of course. But, it's, but the, the speed that it's creeping out is, is, what is it, something like a centimeter every year? It's, I think it's about it's less than inch. Of course. Do you, do you have a better number for that? I'm just, I'm just you know, spitballing it here. Yeah, I think I, it's I, about a centimeter a year. Yeah, I think you're pretty right. Um, and this has been going on, of course, for about four billion years, right? You know, not, you know almost the whole uh, history of the Earth. Because the, the best theory for how the moon formed is that very early in Earth's history, you know, soon after the Earth was formed four and a half billion years ago, um, a Mars-sized planet, another planet that formed, collided with our Earth and, um, and, and, and just shot out all this debris. The collision created all this debris that went into Earth's orbit, and eventually some of that debris coalesced into what is now the moon, and ever since then the moon has been slowly retreating from the earth. But, but the moon is, is so important, you know, like obviously we wouldn't have tides without the moon, and uh, tides are, are hugely important to all of our ecosystems along the coastline. So without the moon, 
you know, it would be devastating to those ecosystems. It would, and that that's scary, too. But, you know, I don't know if we're even going to be around when that happens. So, you know, and my last thing I want to talk about, you know, again, we want to go to Mars. And I, my theory behind it is we're not uh, advanced enough yet to go to Mars and survive for any length of time on Mars. I, I think it's like a one-way uh, trip. I think you're right. I think um, if we go to Mars, we have to make uh, certain uh, things clear to the astronauts. I think they, they have to realize that they'd be taking enormous risks with their health. Because basically, we talked about the, the geomagnetism of the Earth, about how that protects you from the radiation from the sun. And uh, it, once you get beyond, it, let's say a trip to Mars is going to take at least about 10 months to get there, you're exposed to all that radiation. So that does increase your cancer risk. And... Um, and bringing things back from Mars is a lot harder because you have to, you know, have enough fuel on Mars to shoot them back to Earth, right? So you have to create fuel maybe using the carbon dioxide in Mars' is very thin atmosphere. It, it's a technological challenge, but I think it's doable. I, I do think that we do have the technology to go to Mars and even send humans to Mars, but it, it would be an enormous undertaking. It would, it would entail cr- in tremendous risk for the astronauts. And um, it may not be the best use of our limited space resources. I think there's so many other ways we could find about science using un- unmanned probes at this point that I think that might be the better way to go now. Well, again, too, I was reading that we're very close to perfecting hyperdrive. Well, no, we're not anywhere close to it. I mean, it still remains very, very theoretical. Um, it's a theoretical possibility. Most versions of the theory say that you need some kind of form of negative energy, which is a substance that we don't really understand and we certainly never created. So I think, you know, I'm not going to dismiss it as a possibility, but I, 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 it's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, if we're here. Well, again, uh, do you have a website or anything where you can share with us how they can find you, find your books and all that? Oh, yes. My website is uh, www.markalpert.com. It's M A R K. A L P E R T dot com. And all of my books are there. You know, my latest book is called St. Joan of New York, a novel about God and string theory. And uh, if you're interested in any of the things we've talked about tonight, I urge you to try that book. It's, I have the details about it on my website, and all the buy links are there as well. Great. Well, my friend, I really enjoyed having you on. It was like a fresh breeze coming on the show. Well, thank you. I had a great time. Okay, you take care, and have a great weekend that's coming up, will you? I will. Okay, take care, my friend. Well, we're going to be back after the break. We're going to talk about, well, the latest UFO ongoings with uh, James Clarkson, and uh, it'll be kind of interesting for the last half an hour. Again, you're listening to me, Gary, on Night Dreams Talk Radio Network.
siren sent from hell She told me where her was And she beckoned me to go Her body heat washed over me Like a steaming lava flow I should have known that she was making witchcraft Talk Radio After Dark wants to give a big shout out to all the truckers that listen to our show. You can advertise your business on Night Dreams Talk Radio and you will be heard worldwide. Why not contact us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. Do you have a paranormal story you want to share on Night Dreams Talk Radio? You could be a guest. Email us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. From our compound, from the West Coast to the East Coast, to worldwide, both on the Internet and terrestrial radio, you're listening to Gary Anderson on Night Dreams Talk Radio After Dark. And I am back. Well, we're going to have James Clarkson here in a minute. We're going to talk about UFOs and ETs and what is going on with maybe some conventions about it. You know what? I still keep thinking about if I fell in a black hole. I Somehow, looking at my legs, seeing them getting stretched, and my arms getting stretched, and my torso getting stretched. I don't want to go through that pain. So hopefully we don't go into a black hole. That'd be really scary. What do you think, James? You know, if all of a sudden we started going into a black hole, could you imagine you're out riding your bike and all of a sudden your feet are dragging on the pavement? Yeah, yeah, it kind of reminds me of that toy I had when I was a youngin, uh, Stretch Armstrong. You used to stretch that thing forever. That's kind of like what your body would do. Oh, yeah. It would just keep on stretching until there was nothing left to stretch scary scary uh, i don't know i don't know yet I, I i really have mixed feelings about going to mars you know that oh i know you do and we've talked about that several times uh and you know it's a one-way trip like you say it's can you imagine being cramped up in that little craft with three four people for a long time 
Oh, yeah. I'm waiting for our guest to call. That has got me kind of concerned right here, right now. So, is there any way you can get a hold of him and find out what's yeah. going on? Yeah, let me uh, get a hold of him. Maybe he's having some issues. I'll find out. Okay, go ahead and mute me while you do that. But, you know, again, you know, we are going to change the format a little bit about the show. We're going to get into a little bit of conspiracies, a little bit more scientific, UFOs naturally. We, you know, we're going to cover things like Bigfoot, Mothman, and all that stuff. we got some great guests lined up for the next couple months. And again, the show is growing, and I want to thank all of you out there that has made this happen. I remember when I started this little trip out, coming out of retirement, going on and talking to myself, basically. And then it just kept on growing and growing slowly at the start. And now it's just jumping like everywhere. I mean, people are emailing me all over the world. You know, it's really interesting. We got our data back. You know, uh, what areas in the world are listening to the show? You know, we never had any any ratings coming out of Russia before. And right now, out of 100% of our listenership, 5.6% is coming from Russia. Like 2% coming out of Taiwan and, and North Korea, not North, yeah, actually North Korea has popped up a couple of times. That's not good. That's usually when I talk about their <clears throat> leader. But I mean, you know, our listenership has just been going and going and going. And I want to thank all of you, you know, out there that share to make this going. It, it, it's, it, it would never happen without all you night dreamers. By the way, if you can tell your friends about the show, and, and share it and let them know we're also on YouTube now. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be on a whole bunch of other platforms. We're going to be on Twitter and all that live at the same time. So we're going to expand, I think, to about five or six different video platforms where you can actually watch us. But that's going to be really interesting here, too. So I don't know. I'm hoping our guest, hey, James, have you got a hold of our guest yet? We don't even have James now. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm on the I'm on the phone with James now. He hit the wrong number, I believe. Um, okay. Is there any way we can call him? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I can give him a call. Okay. Okay. So I'll let's let's do that right now. So hang up on him. Okay. So I'm going to get a hold of James Clarkson and uh, get him on the line and find out what is going on. In the UFO community. Yeah, let's do that right now. And let's see. And we were trying to get a hold of him. Okay, James, are you there? Are you okay, there, James? That... Hey, James. Hello? Yeah, we're on the air, James. Oh, well, good evening, and I'm very sorry for the technical difficulty. Well, that happens. You know, gee. How are you been, my friend? I've been doing very well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, boy, uh, is this the line we normally call on? Because it's really not very no. good. No. Okay. I thought we were going to do Skype. 
Yeah. Well, do you want to try? Uh, did, did James give you the right Skype to get a hold of me? Uh, well, I thought he did, but when I went back on there, the menu was grayed out. I didn't change any settings, but when I went back in, the exact address that he gave me, it was grayed out, and it wouldn't let me do anything to it. Okay. Uh, well, boy, uh, I don't have your Skype, so, I mean, I just have this. It's very simple. Well, I, when I'm on the air, I, it's not simple. Like I'm running like 14 oh, computers. Okay. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, well, let's just try to make bear with what you have. Uh, what is going on out there in the UFO, uh, UFO community? Well... I think the most exciting thing in it and the fact that it's going on, the show must go on. I'm getting all geared up for the McMinnville, Oregon UFO festival on September 24th and 25th down there in McMinnville, Oregon. And how long is that show for? I mean, that uh, convention thing. Well, it goes on for two days. They're doing a shortened version it did not take place at all in 2020, like so many other great conferences. And in 2019, I was there when they celebrated the 20th anniversary of the McMinnville UFO Festival. And they're going to hold it again this year in a slightly modified format, which is that they require uh, proof of vaccination to gain entrance into the community center. And then, of course, they're, they have uh, masking rules like everywhere else. But it is going to happen with speakers. Uh, it'll pretty much be the same UFO festival minus the big parade. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, in Washington State, as you know what's going on now, I know in Pierce County, King County, you can't go out public without a mask. And then the governor, whatever, today declared where everybody has out in public have to wear a mask. It's getting kind of scary here. Well, I agree with you. And it's it's really tragic because the I just personally feel like there's so much misinformation out there. I certainly don't want to get political. I, but what I'm scared of is that I actually know people that we're acquainted with who have either been extremely ill or in a couple of cases have passed on from COVID. And I'm now in an age category where it's scary to me. So my wife and I got vaccinated quite a while ago and we're doing 
you know, the same precautions, whatever it is that they recommend, I'm going to try and follow that. Well, today, the Center of Disease was talking about they're starting to find out that people being vaccinated, that, you know, they thought it was going to be a long term, you know. Now they're saying it's they think it's only going to be maybe good for six months and, you know, booster shots and more shots. And I don't know. It's it's getting scary. I hope this doesn't last for the rest of our civilization. Well, I'm absolutely 100 percent with you there, and I, I don't pretend to be a an expert in this field. I do know from what I have what I have read and studied that the They've known about the COVID virus for many years now, but it appears to, for one reason or another, to have mutated, and now it seems to be mutating more rapidly, judging by the news that we're getting. And that, of course, produced, eventually it came up with a variant that was lethal. Yeah, and now there's another wave is going to hit, and then they, they're they worried about another wave. I know my daughter works in one of the hospitals, and they they don't even have enough staff, and they don't have enough, you know, uh, rooms for the patients. And then I was reading an article today that it's going to come down eventually, if it keeps happening, that the doctors and the nurses are going to make a life decision of, what, you know, who they can try to save. That's kind of scary. Uh, disclosure. Getting back on the the topic, well, how did you feel about the disclosure? And now they're saying every ninety days they're going to give us more information and stuff. Woody, to me, it was kind of a whitewash, but that's just my feeling. Well, I think this is quite frankly, I think this is what happens when you you have a carefully orchestrated blend of the intelligence agencies, some very advanced Defense Department projects and some good old Madison Avenue uh, media manipulation on how to make the public believe what you want them to believe. Yeah, but... They're all working together. Well, what did you think, though, I mean, of what they have released so far? Did it answer... I'm not impressed. Did it answer anything that you had in the back of your mind? No, because quite frankly... It and so much more of what was in this, what I'm hearing from, I I hate to make them into the bet noir, but I'm not a huge fan of the To the Stars Academy. Uh, Mr. Elizondo may be a very nice man, and I don't doubt that he worked where he said he worked, but I'm not sure that the public ever gets to see the real Mr. Elizondo. He seems to be a uh, a media manufactured image like somebody who was selling you know cigarettes or or new pickup trucks he's selling a particular perspective on ufos and i think that there have been many researchers over many years who all have developed important pieces of the puzzle i don't feel like anyone has gotten it yet but i don't think that any of this new stuff is a revelation except on the level that we actually have real government sources talking seriously about UFOs slash UAPs or whatever you want to call them. That is a change, and I'm not sure what that all means, but it's a change. Yeah, but uh, James, think about this. There's been ongoing committees about these UFOs. 
since the 50s. Congress and the Senate have had their panels going on investigating and, 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 and gathering all this information. You know, we had Pl- a Project Blue Book, which was nothing more to me than a whitewash to try to disprove it. I, I, I just don't know if they would release much information to the general public. I mean, if they give a report every 90 days and it's as crappy as what they, the last one was, I, I'm not really interested. That's just me. Because, you know, again, depending on the guests I had on sh- this show, some of them say, wow, that was a lot of information it was given. And I look, after the show, I, I kind of looked at myself and I go, what information was given? It was, we already know what they said. We already under, anybody's in ufology knows what they said. So they didn't really release anything at this point. Exactly. That's, that's why, unfortunately, though, people like you or I, who have been around the block a few times, this is old stuff to us, and we've been hearing about many aspects of the UFO phenomena for 20 or 30 years, but there is a whole other generation of people that are getting it for the first time, and sadly, I'm thinking that they are convinced that they're getting, you know, big revelations <laughs> without bothering to study the history. Oh, you know, I had one of them, you know, was this ecstatic about what the government has released so far. And I, I said, well, gee, go back to 1947 Roswell. I mean, if you want disclosure, that was disclosure. Now, they, yeah, naturally by morning they recanted it because I'm sure the Pentagon, the president, everybody came unglued because of that was announced without, you know, any permission. But uh, that is disclosure. What they're feeding us now, okay, is something. Okay, yeah, there's something out there. We don't know where it's coming from. Okay, but are they are they ever going to say, well, are these things hostile towards humans? Are they abducting humans? Are they experimenting with humans? That's the type of stuff I want to know. Yeah, I would have to be a moron to think we're the only ones on the whole universe out there. Because we are not. But I want to know what's going on. And I just don't think we're going to be fed the, the truth on this. Only if it is in their interests, and their interests are anything that enhances their budget and anything that's going to give them a, you know, a footing where they can advocate for more defense spending. In other words, that, that's the reason why I think these things are being framed as possible threats, because that would justify increased expenditures. Well, do you feel that these craft that people are citing are a threat? I mean, so far, they haven't done anything hostile, or have they? Because, as you know, I've had a lot of people on this show and other shows have had people claiming they were abducted, taken aboard a craft, experimented on, had their semen removed, had their eggs removed, you know, been opened up, closed back up, and, and seen body parts on crafts and all. If you believe this stuff. Well, the, the problem is, I really think that if you accept the premise, if you say, okay, we are being contacted by non-human intelligences from a variety of sources out in the universe, 
maybe even over time or from other dimensions, where there is one, there almost has to be many. And if there are many, they are going to come here with all manner of agendas. Some of them are going to be completely indifferent to us, like we are to bugs on the sidewalk. Some of them might have their own nefarious agendas and want to take over the world or exploit us for our resources or our body parts. And then, of course, there's also the possibility that some of them may have a uh, parental interest in us. They, in other words, it's possible that sometimes this might be a family reunion more than anything else. And all of these things are possible because life will assume all manner of varieties. I don't think life is going to be any different out in the universe than it is here on Earth, which is it's always assuming new forms to take advantage of whatever's available. It's the nature of all living things. No, I agree, but, you know, if you really think about, it, you know, the craft that had been spotted, or supposedly even crashed, like in Roswell, or even supposedly in our state, and in Mexico, in South Africa, and who knows where else. But again, you know, I, I just want to know what's going on. And maybe we might get a little bit more from the government saying, yes, there are craft coming. We don't know where they're coming from, because we don't. They're not going to say they're hostile. You know the government, if there were hostility going on where they were kidnapping us or doing, you know, whatever they're doing, the government's not going to come out and say, by the way, yes, these UFOs are abducting people and some of them are not being returned. I mean, think about it. I mean, look at the panic that would happen. They're not going to say that, ever. I agree. They're going to say whatever, they're going to say the absolute minimum, and it's going to be in their interests. It's not going to be in the interests of keeping UFO researchers happy or making us, you know, giving us what we've been waiting for for many years. Anything that they tell us is going to serve their agenda. Yeah, I just want the the, the truth, okay? The, the truth is, if there is UFOs and ETs, I want them to come out and say, yes, there's ETs and UFOs, and so far they haven't done anything that we know of, because that's what they're going to say. But, I mean, if you go back to, you know, World War II, the pilots would see these craft. Then you go, supposedly, in the, what 1952 or whatever, over the White House twice, a bunch of UFOs. It, 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 and people are kind of funny, you know, when they see that, they kind of get, oh, wow, right? And then they forget about it. Just like the people forget about the wall when Trump was president, right? It was always in the news about the wall, 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 wall. Now no one talks about the wall. They talk about the virus because there's always something else going on. But the, my feeling is that we're never going to get the true truth. We, You know, you can sit there and be on the fence post and say, oh, yes, they're going to divulge all this stuff to us. What more can they divulge other than, yes, there's UFOs? Because they're not going to say anything more than that. I, I think that's going to be the end of it, really. And that's very probably true, because they're not going to break any security uh, restrictions. Nothing that we're hearing from any of these people in the To The Stars Academy, you can bet, Anything that they tell us has already been vetted. 
they're not going to tell us something where they break a national security oath. They all sign non-disclosure agreements when they retire. So if they tell us anything, it's because they are allowed to tell us. Or told so to. There's some sort of, there's some sort of long-term agenda. Well, what do you think the agenda is? You were in law enforcement. You kind of read things. What do you think is going on? Yeah, but you got to remember, I was just a policeman. Uh, I'm just a spear carrier in the grand scheme of things. A lot of that is, you know, many, many miles above my pay grade. But there's, I, I, I guess what bothers me is for these people that are, are talking about how wonderful it is that w- disclosure is finally happening. This is the very same government that kidnapped Mac Brazel, who was the rancher who found the wreckage on his uh, sheep ranch outside of Roswell, New Mexico. This is the same government that I, I met a lady named Frankie Rowe just before she passed on in her 80s. And when she was a little girl, a man threatened to come and murder her and her entire family just because she had seen a piece of memory metal at a, at a Roswell fire station. This is the same government that knowingly during Project Blue Book came out and made life hell for law enforcement witnesses. I'm thinking of Deputy Dale Spower. And then to cap it all off, we have United States Air Force uh, Special Agent Doty. He and his buddies in various intelligence agencies drove Paul Benowitz, who was a patriotic defense contractor, into a mental institution outside of Kirkland Air Force Base in New Mexico back in the 80s. I mean, this is all the same government. So I'm sorry, but they sort of speak with forked tongues. Well, yeah, you know, like last night, we talked about the assassination of John F. Kennedy on the show. And you know they have not released anything, the only trivial stuff. And the rest of it won't be released, who knows, for another 100 years. And then, you know, we talked about the Twin Towers. The government has never come out and told us everything about it. Again, you know, with UFOs and ufology, I just don't think we're going to be told much of anything. And all these young people out there, when I call young, I'm talking people that been into it for 10 or 20 years they did they expect you know this is going to happen i remember one of the guests when trump was president called me up on the phone and they said trump is going to announce in the next couple weeks that we're being visited by ufos it never happened this is long before the you know his election time it never happened and then i remember in a press conference we had buzz aldrin and some other astronauts lined up, right? And they, uh, one of the news people asked, Trump, well, do you believe there's UFOs? And he looked and rolled his eye, or he looked up and he said, no, he doesn't believe in UFOs. And then that famous astronaut rolled his eyes and put his head up to the you know, ceiling. What's that tell you? I mean, you know, people think that all this disclosure is going to happen. The same thing when Clinton was running for president. He was going to, you know, him and Hillary were going to talk all about ufology, UFOs, tell the American public the truth never happened. Carter, the same thing. 
I mean, you know, we, we hear this time after time after time. And nobody is going to, I just don't feel it. Now, you know a lot of people in the field. How, how many of them have been excited about the disclosure at this point? Well, I know a number of them who were extremely excited in the beginning, but they don't seem quite so excited now. Well, it took a little while for them to sink in their head that we didn't get any information we didn't already know. Right. I just think there seems to be a cycle of generations going on, and sadly, unless anything fundamentally changes, the newer generation is going to beat its head into the wall just the way that we did and probably come away just as frustrated, and 15 or 20 years from now, they'll be on the talk show <laughs> talking about why it never happened. Oh, yeah. Well, what's your gut feeling about the, what the next release will be? you think it's going to be anything earth-shattering? No, I really don't. I, of course, I'm, I'm very cynical at this point, I have to admit. I've become rather jaded about the entire process. I'm still excited about basic ufology. I go back and I study the major cases and whatnot, and it's very refreshing to me, and it gives me a new insight. But then I don't think there have been any really good cases recently that I know of. Even the Tic Tac is old. I mean, when you really look at it. Well, I can say what one of my guests said. You know, when I mentioned disclosure was happened with Roswell, and he said, well, that happened in 1947. That's old news. Well, Tic Tac is old news, too, isn't it? Well, yeah. Because aren't they talking about a, uh, a military training exercise, a naval training exercise off the coast of California? Yeah. That was, is it 2014 or is it 2004? Yeah, I thought it was 2005. Right, but then they the, it was first disclosed in that um, newspaper article in the New York Times in 2017 was when the ball got rolling. Yeah, but the question is why all it took this long. Well, hey James, I want to thank you for coming on, and next time you come on, we'll make sure that you have the right Skype to get a hold of me. Yes, yes, please, and I thank you for the opportunity, and I hope that some people out there who. Uh, want to have a good time might take a look at mcminnville oregon and look at ufofest.com and what date is that going to happen it's going to be on the 24th and 25th of september great okay my friend send me some pictures from it will you okay will do okay james thanks for coming on well hey james who's our guest tomorrow what are we going to be talking about tomorrow Oh, boy. I'll tell you what, the listeners are in for a big treat. Our first guest is going to be Mitchell Nicholas Gerber. He's going to be talking about human organ harvesting from China. Second guest, Tom Whitmore, talking about UFOs. So it's going to be a good show. In fact, I was talking to somebody last night that he had a friend that needed a uh, liver. And he he was on a waiting list, and he couldn't wait any longer. And somebody said, well, you can go and get a liver and have it put in in China. And uh, think about that. I mean, I would never want to be, you know, be sentenced to death in China. As I mentioned the other day, they take you up to a pole or to a uh, wall, 
they get they they got their operating crew right there. They put you on the gurney, and they immediately start removing your organs as soon as they shoot you in the head. I don't know. That is one thing I can't understand for somebody, some country that is really technically advanced as as they are to still do things like that. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll talk more again about disclosure tomorrow. Again, tell your friends about Night Dreams Talk Radio. Again, a big shout out to, well, Tom and uh, Corey and Val from Metatron Power and Light. You can find uh, them, their website on our website. You can just click onto it and it takes you to their website. You can actually see pictures of them. And then uh, edroman.net. That's edroman.net. Net, and you can find his link on our website. Well, till tomorrow, everybody have a good one. I really enjoyed having you on as guests and listeners. So everybody, take care. We'll catch you tomorrow.